The grace of God truly is amazing when we think about it. How could it possibly be that Christ would die for you and for me? Uh, I don't normally do anything like this, and I'm hoping it's not going to be too much of a distraction, but I just wanted to say a big thank you. There's, there was a, a group of men from our church that... Uh, That was an amazing blessing to me and my family. I should try to say something funny so I'd laugh and then I'd get my emotions under control. But I said I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't have a problem uh, talking about it because it's really what the grace of God is about in our life. Things that we don't deserve, God has done for us. Um, and just some men from our church. Every, every, I, I burn wood, and, and not being able to do things physically, every time I would look at my wood pile, it was like, uh, it was just a reminder of what I couldn't do. And they came and did, did it for me. And that's the grace of God, right? I mean, Christ came and did for us what we couldn't do so that we could have a relationship with God forever. And uh, and just what these men did was just such a beautiful picture of that. Um, and, and I said I would be able to get through this without being emotional, but, but I probably knew that wasn't true, so I have Kleenex in my pocket. So, uh, Best laid plans uh, of men, uh, so, uh, but emotions are not a bad thing, uh, especially when you're talking about the love uh, of brothers in Christ, uh, and, and, and there were ladies that made food to feed the army. Uh, that uh, was an amazing blessing to me. So uh, I just wanted to say thank you uh, to those men, but most importantly, thank you to God for providing uh, for us. And that's really uh, what this month local evangelism is uh, all about. So I'm, I want to give us kind of a brief introduction as we get started uh, here this morning. And uh, I, I just, we're going to briefly talk about the fact that our theme for local evangelism this month is disciple making disciples in everyday life. And I thought it would be a fantastic fit considering the series that Pastor Tim has been preaching on and, and, and just looking at what it means to be a disciple uh, of Christ and just to be a reminder for us that the most effective way in our culture for this to happen is for you and I to be involved in the lives of people around us. And it can be doing things like the men did uh, for me and for my family. It can be sitting down and, and, and having meals with people. It's sharing life with them, helping them to see the dis difference that Christ has made uh, in your life and sharing the gospel with them so they can have that opportunity to understand uh, the grace of God. We're going to talk about that a little bit more uh, later, but the, the series loosely is coming from uh, a book called The Course of Your Life. Uh, it, I say loosely because it's just kind of giving us some guiding principles and direction uh, to look at, and that comes from uh, a, a book called uh, The Trellis and the Vine. 
uh, by Colin Marshall and Tony Payne. And so I have no book to recommend for you, but if I did, that would be the one uh, because The Trellis and the Vine by Colin Marshall and Tony Payne uh, is really the, the meat and bones of the ideas that we're going to be talking about. So I wanted to just take a quick second as we got started this month and lay out what that uh, book means and how it challenges the body of Christ and, and, and it, it will hopefully help you as we move forward in this month talking about what discipleship can look like um, and, and really trying to apply these truths to our lives um, because uh, it is super important for us to understand that uh, not all work that we do for Christ is the same. And so it kind of distinctively breaks up the things that we do for Christ into two categories that help this guy at least understand uh, the, the, the church and gospel work and those things uh, in a much uh, gooder way. So uh, it gives us two terms. Uh, first is trellis work. Uh, the first theme that they bring out is trellis work in the trellis and the vine. And, and what trellis work is, uh, according to these authors, is trellis work are the structures uh, of our church and, and how we do things and all those different kinds of things. It's the ministries that we run. It's the administration of the church. It's all the things that we do as a church and as a local church and as the church in general that is uh, about structure and organization and, and all those different kinds of things. It's really important work. Somebody has to do that. However, uh, it isn't involved with the lives of people. You know, um, the building that we're in is technically trellis work. It, it is a structure, but we know and we talk about all the time how that is not the church. Uh, and, and so, it, it, but it helps us to understand, okay, there's this structure, there's this place for us to come to, uh, there are services that we have, there are ministries that we do. That's the trellis, the structure. But then there's also the vine work. And the vine work is actually the work that we're doing with people. The vine work is, is you and I investing in the lives of the people around us. And that does happen here in this building. And that does happen in our ministries. And, and so the, the visual word picture is like a trellis and a vine, you grow a grapevine. But you need the trellis and the structure to tend to that vine. But if you don't take care of that vine and, and minister to people, the vine will just grow on the ground and it will never produce any fruit. Or the fruit that it does produce will rot right away. It will be useless. And so vine work is you and I every day working with people and directing them into the structure of what God has designed, the church, the kingdom. And, and so this month, we really kind of want to challenge us on being out there, being willing to get involved with people's lives, be willing to do the work that that involves you in the lives of other people. The, the, the authors uh, say the basic work of Christian ministry is to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ in the power of God's spirit and to see people converted, to see people changed, to see people grow to maturity in the gospel. And that's the basic premise that I really want us to highlight this month is that for every single one of us, you and me, it is important for us to be involved in the lives of people. Every Christian needs to be out there doing the grunt work, the day-to-day -day work of evangelism in the lives of the people around us, in our community. Sometimes, 
we like to think, oh, well, it's the pastors, or we wouldn't say that. We'd say it's the church's responsibility to evangelize. And sometimes when we try to make things vague and, and broad, it's so I don't have any personal accountability in it. Yes, the church is the vehicle that God has called to make an impact in this world for his kingdom. But the church is made up of you and me. And every Christian needs to be involved in the day-to-day work that takes place. And so we need the structure. We need the trellis. But we also need the vine. If we're going to see lives changed, if we're going to see the gospel impacting people around us, we need to make sure that we're doing much more than just coming to a church and having the structure but that we, instead of just having just structure and doing church, we need to be investing and in being involved with people every day. You know, it's something that's been shared with my family a long time ago, and, and I, I really like this analogy in my mind. Uh, sometimes, instead of just insulating ourselves from the sin and the struggles and the difficulties going on in the world around us, we isolate ourselves from people and their hurts and all the things in the world. And I think God's word says, yeah, we do need to protect ourselves from the, the, the things that are out there in the world that we, don't, we shouldn't have any involvement with. But we can't be so busy trying to insulate ourselves from those things that we actually isolate us from the people who need the gospel the most. Jesus came for the broken. We're broken. We have received the gospel. And because we know and understand what that means, we should be willing to share that gospel with the people around us who are broken and in need of a Savior. The basic idea, I can just want us to hammer this home, is that we are not only disciples, but we're also makers and growers of other disciples. If you take the gospel and apply it to your life and say, Lord Jesus, how can it be? Thank you for saving me. Now I don't care about anybody else around me. I've been saved. That is the most selfish thing that we could possibly do. And no one would actually voice that. But sometimes our attitudes and our actions reflect that kind of an attitude in our lives. And, and we need to stop cursing the darkness and instead start being the salt and light that God has called us to do. All disciples have been entrusted with God's word and that should cause us to have an amazing desire to see people come to know him. God did not accidentally save anyone that is saved. He did not accidentally place you here in St. John's or, or DeWitt or Fowler or Ovid or Elsie or wherever you may live. You are there because that's where God wants you right here, right now, so that you can be his ambassador where he has placed you. It's not an accident. And, and I want us to catch a passion for the gospel. You see, sometimes we can get so busy doing stuff. We can get so busy doing the trellis work that is important that we forget that we need to be sharing the gospel with people around us every day. We want everyone that is involved with First Baptist Church to know Jesus, to love Jesus, and to share Jesus with others. That's what it's all about. If we know what Christ has done for us, we will be passionate about the gospel. We will be passionate about seeing lives changed for him. Tonight, we're going to look at a little bit how 
knowing Christ and having that relationship with God changes everything because our world is broken. And so tonight we're going to kind of look at what went wrong and, and how that still affects us today and the struggles that we have. But in this very long-winded introduction, I want to bring us back to our theme for Local Evangelism Month, Disciples Making Disciples in Everyday Lives. And that passage that Pastor Tim shared with us in 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. And I created this logo for a reason. I wanted us to think about everyday life every time we think of Local Evangelism Month. Because evangelism isn't something that just takes place here. Yes, because as Daryl said when he prayed, there are probably, without a doubt, people here who do not know what it means to have trusted Christ as their Savior. There are people in this room that probably don't even realize and know that they truly are lost and separated from God. And out in the world, every day, we encounter those people as well. And we should have a love for them and a desire to, to see them come to know the God who loved us enough to save us. And it takes place as we go about our lives each and every day. And that's what I want to hammer home for us. But the most important thing is we have to be imitators. Paul says, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. We can't reflect Christ to others if Christ is not in us. So we all need to wrestle with that thought this morning. So that brings us to our passage of scripture that we're really going to spend uh, most of our time uh, looking at this morning. So open your Bibles with me to Colossians chapter 1 verses 9 through 14. Uh, most of the time when I'm uh, sharing this month, I will uh, be looking at some different things in Colossians and kind of gleaning some different things from there and pulling in passages of Scripture from uh, elsewhere to support some of the thoughts that we're going to see uh, in the book of Colossians. So uh, this is going to be our main passage this morning where we read, And so, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints of light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son in whom we have redemption and forgiveness of sins." Our first point that I want to look at here in the book of Colossians is know him, serve him, and grow in what you know. And, and quite frankly, we see this very interesting and distinctive pattern in this passage of Scripture. It's not know him, grow in him until you know enough, and then go out and share him. That is not the, the pattern that we see in this passage of Scripture. But unfortunately, too many Christians have fallen into that mindset. Well, I just don't know enough to share the gospel with the people around me. And, and unfortunately, it's not new believers that we hear that from the most. Quite often, it's the kid that got saved when he was five years old in some Sunday school class, and now he's 25, 35, 45, 55, 65, 75, 85, and still thinking, well, I just don't know enough to share with 
the person who lives across the street from me, who I see at the coffee shop, the person who lives down the hall from me. I just don't know enough. We've perpetuated this myth that, that we have to have enough knowledge before we can really accurately and openly share. And I think in so many churches like ours, that myth has become a tool of Satan. Because we sit back and we do nothing because we think, I'm not qualified, I don't know enough, I couldn't possibly do that. Don't get me wrong. There are so many people in our church that are great at understanding the gospel in their life and helping others to see that and to know that and to know Jesus. There are people out there that are doing it every day. But I want to challenge us that it should be every single one of us. It shouldn't just be some of us. Every Christian has been called to be part of God's plan to reach the nations, beginning with right here where he has placed you. And the people that are sharing, it's not just because they have some great knowledge that you don't have yet. It's not because somehow God has equipped them to do something that he hasn't equipped you to do. All of us have the ability, if we know Jesus and we have the power of the Holy Spirit in us, all of us have the ability and the responsibility to get out there and to share our faith with others. So we're going to see this pattern because I know when I say that, it's not no, no more, grow, no more, and then go and share. When I say that that's not the pattern, some people are like, well, I don't know, that seems like a pretty logical way to go about it. When you, once you have enough knowledge, you can go out and share. But let's look at some of the phrases that we see and take them phrase by phrase in Colossians chapter 1 and, and see how this plays out. The first phrase that we read is, be filled with all knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. You see, all people in this world are looking for answers. All people in this world are looking to, to try to somehow understand the brokenness that we see in our world. All people in this world are, are looking at the events that took place in Las Vegas and going, that don't make sense. Because you know what? It doesn't make sense. Our world is sinful, it's fallen, it's broken, it's lost. And apart from God, we can't make sense of any of it. Apart from God, there's hopelessness. And, and, and God tells us that he wants us to be filled with all knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. If we're going to be filled with the knowledge of God, we must know that first and foremost that there is a God and that we were created for a purpose. It says that we need to understand his will. And we can't possibly understand his will if, we, if we're rejecting the notion and the idea that there even is a God who created all of us and who is the sovereign ruler and has authority to speak into every issue in my life and in your life. But we need to come to know him. And if you jump down to verse 13, we, we see that he has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of light to the kingdom of his beloved son, in whom we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. First and foremost, that's what God wants us to know. He wants us to know that, that we were in the kingdom of darkness because of our sin and because there is sin in this world and everyone is affected by it, but not only affected by it, I sin and you sin. And that sin separates us from a holy, righteous, just God who has to punish sin. And your sin's no better than my sin, and my sin's no better than your sin, and we're all in the same boat, we're lost. We can't 
solve our problem. But Christ interceded for us. He took our punishment. He took the wrath that we deserve so that we could be transferred from the kingdom of darkness to his kingdom by faith in Jesus Christ. That is the gospel in a nutshell. That, that we were separated from God and he took the penalty so that we could now be seen as righteous in God's sight because of what Christ has done for us. And God wants every one of us to know that. And if we know that, we are now a new creation. We have been transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of, night, of, of, light, of his light. And, and that new creation, the knowledge that brought us to the understanding of that, and the Holy Spirit working in our lives to help illuminate that, that our need for a Savior and, and what the gospel did for us, that knowledge is what leads to salvation. It leads us into that relationship with God. We are no longer separated from our sins because of what Christ has done for us. And, and we, by faith in his completed work, have the ability to be called sons and daughters of God. Look at Colossians 3, 9, and 10. Later, it says, and it'll be on the screen, Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices, and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of our creator. Again, we see that the knowledge of who Christ is and what he has done for us causes us to put off the old self, put on the new self. We become different. Everything about us changes, and we're being now renewed in the knowledge that he has given us. We see again that that knowledge leads to salvation, it leads to change, and it leads to us being different. So that's understanding what it means to know Christ, to know his will for us, to know God and what he has planned for us. And so our next phrase starts in verse 10, and, and, it, and it leads off with, so as. Because we're to be filled with, with wisdom and knowledge and to understand God, so that, so as, we may walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. When we are filled with knowledge of the Lord and we have an understanding of his character and nature, when we know that he is holy, when we know that he is righteous, when we know he is just, when we know that he is perfect in all of his ways and all that he does, we, we know that it should cause us, when we have that saving relationship with, with Christ, we should then walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. Christ was our ultimate example in this. He, he came into this earth the, the holy God born, as we sang about, born into this sinful, flawed, broken world. And he demonstrated that, that he has power over sin and death. And, and he did. He gave us an example. Some people think that, well, Jesus just came to be our example. No. He came to be our punishment. He came to take the punishment for our sin. But he was an example for us of how we can live holy, righteous, upright lives before God. And, and if we are in Christ, that's the only way that we truly can be, the next phrase, fully pleasing to him. So, so we see that we have knowledge and then we're walking in a manner worthy of the gospel and being fully pleasing to him. When you know his plan and you can get involved with it, his plan, it pleases him. And, and some people, 
you know, we say that God has a plan and that God has these things, but, but we have a hard time wrapping our brain around that. That's part of what we're going to look at tonight, too, is how in this brokenness can we be involved in God's plan and what difference does it make and what are some, some, some mistakes that we make and what are some strategies that we could maybe use to, to move forward in these things. But the blunt reality of that phrase, fully pleasing to him, is that if you want to please God, and you know what Christ has done for you, you must be involved in his will. Because remember, the knowledge of his will was where we started. If you want to be fully pleasing to God, you need to know what his will is, and then you need to walk in a manner worthy of the gospel. Christ died for our sins so that we could then live in him. And that's not just live how you and I want to live, that's live how he has called us to live. And we are a well-informed, biblically literate church. We know things like we're, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son, teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. We know that. And we know that we're supposed to be ambassadors for Christ. And we know that we're supposed to be salt and light. And we know that, that we're supposed to be his witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. We know these things. And we know Ephesians 2.10, which, which I want us to bring up at this point. Ephesians 2.10, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. The plan of God was not just for you and I to get saved and say, praise God, that's done. He saved us so that we could do the good works that he's created for us in advance, to do. He saved us so that we could be ambassadors for Christ, knowing what the gospel means. We can be ambassadors for the truth of the gospel in the world, in the culture in which we live. We can be the salt and light. We can be his witnesses because we know the one who can change hearts and lives. If you want to please God, do what he has called us to do. Know him, know his will, and get involved in that Plan. And what is that going to do when we know him and know his will? It is going to, our next phrase says, bear fruit. Bearing fruit in every good work. Now, this is where we have to be transparent for a little bit. It's really easy for us to say, yes, uh, you know, the good things that we do, they do bear fruit for the kingdom. And, and um, you know, generally speaking, uh, I trust that the Holy Spirit will use the good things that I do to bear fruit in the lives of the people around me. And that's how the gospel works. Generally speaking, yes, that's true. We can just simply live as salt and light, and, and sometimes people will go, hey, there's just really something different about that person. But without the gospel, no one ever gets saved. And so, and very specifically, when this is talking about bearing fruit, it's not just talking about the general, hey, we can glorify God in our bodies uh, in the world that we live. And, you know, the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him together. Yes, that is true, but that is not what's really being talked about here. This bearing fruit means so much more. How do we know that? How do I know that this bearing fruit means so much more? I'm really glad that you asked that question. That is a very well-informed question. I said you were good. Look back to verses 3 through 7 of Colossians. Because context is king, and, and we can't take things out of context. So look back at, at Colossians 1, 3 through 7. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love that you have for all the saints, because of the hope laid up for you that is in heaven. Of this you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel, which has come to you, as indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit, 
and increasing, as it also does among you, since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth, just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant. Do you see it there? Do you see disciples making disciples in everyday life? Because when I look at that passage, that's exactly what I see. Disciples making disciples in everyday life. Look back at there. We heard of your faith. You came to know Jesus. And you now have hope that you didn't have before because of the hope that is laid up for you in heaven. What is that hope, you, you ask? Another good question. You guys are great at this. The gospel which has come to you, and indeed, the whole world, it's bearing fruit. The gospel is bearing fruit. I see it in your life, and look at all the people around you that have been different. The gospel is bearing fruit. So when Colossians is talking about bearing fruit, it's talking about the gospel being involved in people's lives and changing them, giving them a hope that they didn't have before, hope that is laid up for, in he- for them in heaven, not here on this earth. And then he ends that with, just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant. So Epaphras came, and he shared the gospel with you, and your life changed, and now people around you and even in all the world are being changed by the gospel. The gospel's bearing fruit. The gospel changed lives. As it's passed from one person to the next person, the gospel changes lives. It bears fruit. Just as you heard it from Epaphras. And now people in your life are getting saved. The reality is that the gospel will bear fruit. If the gospel's not bearing fruit around you in your life, if the gospel's not bearing fruit around me in my life, the problem isn't the gospel because the gospel bears fruit. The Holy Spirit will change lives. If there's not people's lives being changed around us, it's us that's broken. We're not sharing the gospel like we should be. We're not speaking the truth in love as we should be. We're not having the impact in the world around us. We aren't being disciples making disciples in everyday lives. Because we like to say all of the time, well, you know what? Uh, We share the gospel, and then it's really the power of the Holy Spirit that changes people's lives, uh, and so that's what we do. And that is so true. But then we don't turn that back on ourselves and say, well, is the Holy Spirit somehow failing? Is the gospel somehow failing? Because I'm not seeing lives changed. So if I'm not seeing lives changed, then I'm doing something wrong. Because God called me, he saved me, and he's got works that he wants me to do. And he wants the gospel to bear fruit in my life and in all the lives around me. That's why we need reminders like Local Evangelism Month. Because I need a kick in the pants. And you need a kick in the pants. And we need to be reminded of the fact that Jesus died for us and not just so that we could sit and live in in our wonderful Christian life. Praise God for the difference the gospel makes in families, in patterns of sin and brokenness that bring he bring the gospel brings restoration and he brings healing. But he does that so that we can bear witness to his goodness to everyone around us. And that's what we need to be doing. We need to know him. And then we need to take that knowledge and share it with everyone around us. And here's the beauty. When we do that, when we apply the gospel to our life, when we know Christ, and then when we are bearing fruit in him, 
jump back in to our passage of Scripture in verse 10. Walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. How do we grow? We grow by applying what we know first to my life because I need to know it and understand it. And then I share it with others and allow it to bear fruit in their lives. And when I am faithful and when I'm being obedient to what the gospel uh, is supposed to be, to sharing the gospel as I'm supposed to be, it is amazing the amount of growth that it causes in our life. I'm sure that I could call people up here and you would be able to bear testimony of, yeah, there was this time we were out, we were, uh, we were sharing the gospel, and man, I felt completely inadequate, and it seemed like a complete failure, and man, God changed me. My obedience to sharing the gospel, to trying to make disciples in my everyday life, it, it made such a huge impact in my life, and I learned this, and, and I'm not saying we're going to be perfect every time that we do it. In fact, I can guarantee you, you're never going to be perfect in the way that you share the gospel. But the good news is it doesn't depend on you being perfect. It depends on Christ being perfect and dying on the cross for us. It's dependent on him. He wants us to be obedient. Then the gospel will bear fruit. And then, just by our obedience, we will continue to grow in him. And maybe you've never had the experience of being able to share the gospel with somebody and seeing them come to know Christ. But as Pastor Mike said, after Chris sang his wonderful song this morning, if that wood won't burn, then you're all wet, or I don't know. I'm all wet. And I try not to listen to Mike. Oh, wait, no, that's, that's not what I meant. That's not what I meant. Let me backtrack for a second. I, I got sidetracked. It's, if the gospel is not making a difference in the lives of people around you, if it's not helping you then to grow, perhaps it's because you're not really sharing it, and you're not seeing the effects that the gospel makes on people around you. Because when you see that, it is so beautiful. When you know that, that causes you to rejoice like Chris did. Praise the Lord for the blood of Christ that was applied to my life. Now I want to see that applied to other people's lives. And I have a passion to see God at work. That's the increasing in knowledge of God. That's how that works. And what an amazingly generous and loving God. He could just simply require our obedience and say, do it. And we'd be obligated to do it because he saved us. He's done everything for us. But he gives us the blessing of when we're obedient, we grow in our knowledge and understanding of him. We grow closer to him and we gain more knowledge of who he is and how he's at work. So the pattern that we see here is you have to know God's will and that as you know God's will, you'll be walking in a manner worthy of the gospel, and you'll see the gospel bearing fruit in the lives around you. You'll know that, and then you'll see that at work. And then when you do that, you'll continue to grow deeper in him. So maybe you're here this morning, and you're like, okay, so what does this mean? How do I apply this to my own life? It's not rocket surgery. It's not that complicated. We just need to take what's true and actually do it and apply it to my life. That means first, I need to know. I need to know who Jesus is because if, if I don't know that, nothing else matters. 
And if I do know Jesus as my Savior, I have to understand the will of God. I need to know him and his will. Period. Full stop. And when I know that, then I certainly need to serve him. And when I am serving him, yes, I am serving in the trellis work of the church. But I'm also serving in the vine work, touching hearts, touching people's lives, getting my hands dirty, working with them, doing the things that, that the gospel calls us to do, loving them the way Christ has called us to love them. What does that look like? It looks like that picture that I put up everyday life, sitting in a coffee shop, talking about the gospel, intentionally talking about the gospel. It looks like 30 men coming and, and serving and showing the love of Christ and being a fragrant aroma and testimony to everyone in my community. It means everyday life, we need to be involved in the battle. And yes, it is a battle because Paul started out our passage by telling the, the Colossians that I am praying for you it, because I haven't ceased to pray for you because I know that the gospel's made a change in your life and that you are seeing it make the change in lives around you and I know that the enemy's gonna wanna destroy that. So I am praying without ceasing for you. I am praying daily for you so that God's work will continually be done. And if you're not directly involved with people sharing the gospel, you need to be. You need to be. It doesn't have to be complicated. It can be just intentionally talking about your relationship with Christ. It can be going to a group, if you're a student, like finding answers and inviting friends to come and hear the gospel on a Friday afternoon and getting pizza and hearing about Jesus. It can be having tea with your neighbor it can be helping your neighbor do something and purposely talking about Christ. It doesn't have to be complicated because the gospel isn't as complicated as we try to make it. And then we grow. How do we grow? We grow because we're obedient to God. We're serving him. We're sharing the gospel. And we're seeing it bear fruit. And that is a beautiful, beautiful thing. Disciples, making disciples in everyday life. And I pray that we will be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy and giving thanks to God who has called us into his kingdom and has called us to be bearers of his son's image to the world around us. Before Mike comes to close us with song, let's pray. Father, what a great privilege and responsibility the gospel brings us. As we were separated from your kingdom, but because of what Christ has done for us, you have called us into a relationship with you, not by anything that we have done, but by his death on the cross for our sins, his burial, taking the punishment for our sins, and rising from the dead giving victory over sin and death. Help us to share that gospel message with people around us, walking in a manner worthy 
of the gospel and seeing it bear fruit, we pray. May we be filled with all joy as we serve you, our King and our Lord, in whose name we pray. Amen.